G'day everyone, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to X-Men Defense Podcast. Injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom Hello, we are the Chronicle Chamber team and this is X-Man, the Phantom podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via our email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to us via YouTube, uh, the iTunes and all the various Android apps. Now, this is episode 210. Now, very excited about this one. We are going to be chatting with Jeff Parker. No, it's not my brother or family relative. <laughs> it is Jeff Parker, who is the uh, writer for the famous King's Watch saga. So before we hand over to uh, Jeff and learn a bit about Jeff, uh, let's introduce the guys who are joining us today. And we have, uh, um, I was about to say Stephen, he's finished his <laughs> sneeze. And Dan, how are you, gents? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, Jim. Good to... Uh... Good to be here, and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because I enjoyed reading King's Watch when it first came out. We tried to tee up a podcast with Jeff at the time, and it fell through at late notice, and um, we just, you know, for one reason or another, have not got back to it, so I'm really excited to uh, to be talking to Jeff today, and it was a real delight to dip back into the comics. Um, yeah, and yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk all about it, but not usually my favourite fare, King's Watch type stuff, but I did enjoy this. Stephen, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to the chat as well. Yeah, And yes, I've been brushing up on my King's Watch. It's been, it's been a few years since I visited this universe and I'm um, looking forward to chatting with the fellow who, who started it all. Now, I don't know. So we've all read it and we've done our homework. Now, I enjoyed King's Watch going back over it and reading it. The second part of the series, I didn't enjoy as much. As in so, King's Cross? Oh, the, all the other, the King series, King's Cross. I did not enjoy King's it Quest. as much, King's Quest. But, I'm, but, I'm, but I really enjoyed King's Watch. That was still one of the better series probably in the last 10 years or something. I, I think at the time we all thought um, the same thing, that it started off quite well. And then um, as it progressed, it, it, the, the quality dimmed or, or things happened that we, that we didn't like. Yeah. Maybe that's more of a things happen that we do like, hence we didn't mm. like the series. Well, when I dipped into it again, obviously for today, um, I reread the five-part King's Watch. And, uh, well, basically I went back and read the, the parts of the Dynamite series that Jeff Parker had written. I thought there was no point reading the other stuff. Um, so Jeff wrote the original um, King's Watch, that first five-parter, um, which was back in 2014, I think. And um, then I think came King's Quest, which was by a couple of other authors, um, Acker and Corson, uh, Ben Acker and Heath Corson, I think. Um, and then we went into the King's Cross series and we got um, uh, one called Flash Gordon, King's Watch, which was um, Jeff Parker again. So I read through the Flash Parker, uh, Flash Gordon, Jim, sorry, <laughs> Flash Gordon King's Watch series again. And um, I liked what he did with what he was left with at that stage. And that's one of the things that I want to ask him about, because by that stage, we had had Jen come in as the um, third type phantom. 
Um, we'd gone a long way from where he had left the fandom as a character. I'll be interested to hear how he was able to pick that back up again. I'm sure that will be one of our first questions. So without any further ado, let's welcome Jeff Parker. How are you, sir? I am great. Thank you for having me on Chronicle Chamber. No worries. Thank you for joining us. So to start off with the podcast, we are just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like where you grew up, where you live, uh, your age or your age range, and then we can just kind of go from there. I am super old. I'm, I'm just like, I'm as old as probably the Phantom was in the, our series uh, in my 50s. Um, I'm from uh, the southeast of the state, United States. Uh, North Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a frame of reference. That's where the Wright brothers flew the plane. Uh, that's mm -hmm. mainly, if anybody bothers to recognize us around the world, that's the one little detail they get, and then they move on. <laughs> um, but I, I now live, I, 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 I was, you know, I was an English literature major in college, and, uh, and I was an artist the whole time, but I didn't major in it. I started to and then realized they weren't going to teach the kind of stuff I liked. Uh, so I just did that on my own. And I did comic strips for the paper. And uh, and I went around and showed my work at comic book conventions. Um, you know, and I got to meet people like Al Williamson and uh, all these uh, Mark Schultz and all these artists I really admired uh, when I was very young. And... Um, and eventually started kind of getting an anthologies free work that way until, you know, I found paying work. Uh, then the nineties sort of had a speculative bubble. You may remember where uh, everybody was really just buying these comics to save them and supposedly sell them. And they all lost money. <laughs> uh, and then it shrunk until down it very small. <laughs> and I, uh, I went out to Los Angeles and I worked in animation for a little bit. And then I did storyboards. And while I was doing that, I worked on my uh, graphic novel, The Interman, that I self-published. And after that, people started hiring me as a writer. And it was funny because pretty quickly, no one remembered I drew anymore. Hmm. Uh, that's the way it goes. Everybody's got very short memories in entertainment. And uh, But, at, you know, then I, in the next 10 years, I was working very steadily for Marvel. And then I sort of went over to D.C. and... And I worked around all in different places and started working uh, more for Dynamite, uh, which and around that time was when I, oh, before then I'd moved up here to Portland, Oregon, which is in the Northwest. Um, and anyway, uh, editor Nate Cosby had uh, called me one day and said, we've got a bunch of new properties at Dynamite uh, that we're able to do now. And he goes, I want to send you a list and you tell me what you're interested in. Hmm. Now, the Phantom wasn't actually on the list. Uh, they, uh, the list had a number of things, a lot of good stuff. But the one I zoomed right to was Flash Gordon. And I said, Flash Gordon, I've got Flash Gordon opinions. I've always had an idea <laughs> for Flash Gordon. And, you know, I started telling it to them and then they came back with, King Features loves this, but they were wondering if could we start off with a bigger event that, that has Phantom and Mandrake in it too. And uh, and see, I was all excited about doing a small cast, 
And then it's like, oh, you want me to do a great big event? And uh, and I was like, actually, yeah, sure, because I was excited. These are the archetypes that pretty much all comics comes from is those three. Mm. Um, you know, the Phantom. I, it's hard to think of what other hero might have a big uh, cave home base with a butler, uh, <laughs> you know, and helps him fight crime. And even a dog. Um, wolf, excuse me. Um, and of course, Mandrake influenced Doctor Strange and every other magical character there is. Um, so I was like, all right, this is actually kind of neat. I'm sort of like, and I went back and reread some old stuff. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is good. I can really kind of sort of get back to the basics with these characters. Uh, but then I ran into the, should I even be talking about the Phantom at this point, or am I supposed to be talking about just whatever I do or something? Keep going. Well, I'm just keep going. <laughs> just okay. Keep going. Well, anyway. yeah, just like, well, We're not going to stop you talking Phantom. It's in my head. I keep looking at all your Phantom pictures in the background. <laughs> and you just um, you just said about going back and rereading uh, some of these characters. Did you did you go back to the Defenders of the Earth Marvel series, or did you actually watch that TV show to see how other the show a little bit? Uh, I didn't wa- read the comics. I my uh, whole experience reading the Phantom was always in my newspaper as a kid. Like he was always there. It was the one superhero in the newspaper, so I read it all the time. You know, sometimes I would cut them out and save them. But then I'd go, ah, I'm too lazy to glue all these or whatever. And so I didn't keep them. Um, but it was good looking stuff. I'd often draw him and everything. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. Because um, he, he works really well in black and white. Yes. Um, I'm surprised there's not more black and white Phantom material just because it just looks great. You know, so it's like, yeah, the, purple, whatever. Yeah. In Australia, yeah. in Australia, our comic is black and white. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, there's Stephen's then, got one. Stephen's got an example just there that he's holding up. Ah, uh, can we focus on his screen yep. so I can see the? Oh. Show us again. Uh, Show us again. Yeah. Sorry, yep. Stephen. Sorry. That's, ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. So that's that's, our, that's not a newspaper strip. That's um, I think what's that one? Joan Boyks. Which artist yeah. is that? Uh, Joan Boyk. Okay. From um, yeah, uh, Spain. Yeah. And so that's our fortnightly comic book that we get in Australia. Um, and, and it's predominantly black and white, maybe two oh. or three colour issues a year. Oh, it looks good. Oh, this yeah. is the old And then stuff. I got lucky because then, you know, let me see more. Then uh, Nate brought in Mark Laming uh, mm. uh, from London, mm. uh, and, you know, and he wanted to work on the series. And it's like, well, that's great. Mark's. Uh, in, in my mind, he was the modern Al Williamson. You know, he inks a lot like him. And uh, I was like, this would be perfect. And uh, when when Mark first drew the Phantom in there, I was like, all right, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Because as you if, if, did you just read the thing again recently? Yes. The, the yeah, Dynamite would, yeah, yeah, I wanted to get away morning. from the Kit Walker stuff. I didn't want to uh, – because I thought – well, one of the interesting things I can do is not lock it in time and make it as like, this is part of the Walker family. The The fun thing about Phantom is he's a legacy hero. Mm-hmm. And 
I guess the first, really. Yes, I believe. So that was. I can't think. Of, I can't that was think of be, many others. That was uh, questions, Jeff. So did you plan right from the get go not to have Kit Walker as the Phantom because we only found out yeah. in the fifth book of the King's Watch um, series. Yeah, I was leaving it vague just to make people wonder, but in my mind, and I don't. And now you'll be able to remind me because you're more refreshed on the whole thing than I am. I was originally going to do a, uh, you know, you always have these ideas and you don't, and you run out of time and space to do it, you know, because you, especially when you're juggling all these characters and like uh, Cobra and all the, all this stuff and Ming the Merciless and everything, there's all the, all this going on. Uh, I wanted to reveal that this phantom had uh, the skull mark on him, like he was actually a bad guy that the Phantom, the last Phantom, had, you know, <laughs> brought to justice, punched out, uh, who who grudgingly grew to respect him, and then decided to, you know, step up and take his mantle until he could find the actual family line again. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was my take on it, because I, I, I wanted to leave it free for whoever was going to be doing the Phantom later. Right. Like, and, I, and also, yeah. I wanted to have my cake and eat it, too. I wanted to show like a Phantom, because you should be able to do this with the Phantom. You should be able to show him in all kinds of time periods. Yeah. And I wanted to show a Phantom who is like, he's been doing this a long time. He's barely like holding it together. You know, he's a big tough guy, but you know, he's been hurt every imaginable way and is, you know, practically stitched together at this point, hmm. taking pain pills, everything to just keep going. Um, and just having this gruff, you know, facial hair phantom to me was kind of interesting thing to just switch it up a little bit. Hmm. So um, I, rem I remember as a, when I first read the first issue, I actually had another Phantom fan that had come over, and so we actually went to the comic book shop, got it together, and then read it together and talked about it for like two, three hours afterwards. <laughs> he he, uh, he got in trouble with his wife for not um, getting home sooner. Um, <laughs> Are you talking but, about it at a pub? Yeah, <laughs> but the 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 the, the scruffy Phantom was interesting. That didn't bother me as much. It didn't bother me as much. Even the the, the trunks of the Phantom didn't, um, you know, because uh, there's a, a Australian artist that that has that same style as well. Um, but for probably for myself and probably for a lot of Phantom fans, and I'll let these guys uh, say it for them. But the the Phantom not being the Phantom was probably the real uh, real real shock to the system having someone who is not, not the Phantom because he's always, every comic we've always read, he's always been Mr. Walker. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a real shock to the system by uh, episode five. But Yeah. Well, but I then, wanted, again, yeah. I wanted to say, because it, since it wasn't technically, uh, you know, Phantom-centered, I thought, mm. let's play with the idea of the fact that I like the idea that it's the, the legend of it is itself kind of takes over whoever is uh, wearing the costume. You know, the, the mm -hmm. idea that they step up and become greater than they are. Yeah. 
because they've got to fill the, the boots. You know, they've mm. got to become the phantom. Mm. And that suddenly people who really weren't probably never would have thought they could have done it, you know, find themselves going above and beyond because they've got to become as good as some guy in, you know, 1684 <laughs> who was doing the Phantom's favorite thing, beating the hell out of pirates. Mm -hmm. uh, Phantom hates pirates. He doesn't like them. He never has. And he, with good reason. Mm -hmm. um, well, but also I then I got into the thing of, uh, yeah, because I knew that they were going to, I what I, as I understood it, we were going to do a starting point here and everybody was going to branch off. Yeah. I thought there was going to be more Mandrake stuff than there was. There was a little bit and there was more Phantom stuff, but, and I had already knew my, I already knew what my Flash Gordon story was. So I was definitely doing that. So I was just trying to give people a nice open point. Mm. But yeah. then I, yeah, I probably really messed with them when I decided to make Lothar the Phantom at the end. Um, yeah. but that, that didn't upset me. Uh, Dan I liked, I just thought he was cool. And it's like, it was, I was like, wait, this makes perfect sense. Like he shouldn't be Mandrake's second banana. You know, it's like, mm. and then and the the interesting thing was like, I have Lothar kind of, because since Lothar is obviously the big tough guy uh, and who goes around beating the hell out of people for Mandrake, because ma that's not really Mandrake's thing. He does illusions and things like that. And some real actual occult magic. But, uh, the, the way the story worked out, you know, I had planted it like, oh, okay, Lothar is going to meet the Phantom first. And then it's one of those things you can't really plan for where they just had such a good chemistry. Like he, he and the guy that at that point taking the, the mantle of the Phantom, mm. like I really liked the two of them together. Mm. So I ended up writing more of that than I was originally going to just because I, they, they made a good team. Yeah, they did. And, uh, and then it became clear to me, like, oh, yeah, he's going to die. And it's like, and then th this this whole thing can pass temporarily to Lothar to find wherever the walkers are. And mm -hmm. uh, and I probably should have come back and done that. But they, I thought they had somebody else on it. They had a lot of good writers come in, like Acker and Blacker, who do the Thrilling Adventure Hour, were doing stuff. Um, they had a lot of people come talking about it but you you never know from one like one end of something yeah the cool uh i had to get it like a ray harry house and dinosaur fighting a you know creature fighting a elephant um this was just jaw dropping this fight and mark did such yeah, a and I, I love job. it it's so good mm. and, and you're right kills, kills the hell out of that thing yeah and you're right lothar and and the phantom just had such a good chemistry um, and it all started from here as well. Is I think where the the, the chemistry works so well together. Yeah, it was, it was a great introduction to see the yeah. family this way, like riding in on hero or riding in on the white stay, and and then d doing his acrobatic. And, that one for me, Jim, while Steve talks. Yeah, so coming in here and yeah, coming all Just guns, comes blazing, in, guns blazing on the guns horse, blazing, yeah. iconic image on the on the horse, and then he does his flippy routine and and, and takes out the the big beast it was a great introduction for the character to come mm. in that way and it, it reminded yeah. me of the way that um billy zane burst onto the screens in the phantom movie albeit not against a, a vicious lizard <laughs> dinosaur <laughs> thing, but yeah. that bursting uh through into, into the clearing on hero 
um, I, just just iconic. And that's one of the things I was, I was going to say to you, Jeff, is uh, it's credit to you that you get um, so many things about the Phantom bang on in terms of the Phantom law, um, you know, the, the way you, you, you reveal the backstory and that sort of thing. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that you were a, a reader from early on because you, you clearly know the character well. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I like the fact that uh, the Billy Zane movie, you know, essentially did, though, take him out of Africa, mm. you know, and they thought, no, no, let's put him in a different jungle because it it kind of just it it's too much in the same Tarzan thing. And it's that whole great white savior kind of thing that, you know, nowadays you're like, this is kind of not great taste. Yeah. And, you know, it's like. Yeah. They sort of, and even in the 90s, they sort of avoided that really well. But my favorite thing about Billy Zane's Phantom is that he enjoys being the Phantom. Yep. You know, they're like, he's not, he's not brooding and grim. He's laughing a lot. He thinks it's cool that he's got a wolf. You know, it's like he was doing so good. If that thing didn't fall apart in the third act, it was really a solid movie. <laughs> yeah. and it uh, had real stunts. It had Vic uh, Vic Armstrong doing uh, the stunt work in it. It was so good. Yeah, we've done a, a commentary on it, and we've we've all said the same um, that it was just yeah the, the third act in a sense just ruined the movie. It's, it's, well, but then again, then when you look later, like that's pretty much what happens to almost every superhero movie. They all <laughs> fall apart in the third act. Even though it's like it didn't fall apart the same way, usually they fall apart because they try to go super big, you know, like with Wonder Woman, have this massive thing, tie it all into World War One, and it just sort of loses the focus of the characters. It always it, and it happens again and again, and everybody makes the same mistake, and uh, that's why I always try to push for everybody, like, no, go small at the end, like bring all the central characters together. Do not have legions of armies. Do not have the five armies coming together. You know, let's get the main characters together and like make it about, have it boil down to whoever the key battle is. I did that logo, by the way. Yeah, um, that was, that was actually a question that we had actually asked is um, that I heard the rumor that you did do the logo for it. Yeah, um, I, I, get, I used to get so mad at getting crappy logos on my comics. Um, <laughs> it happened a lot at Marvel. And so I started like just saying, let me do the logo. Like I can do this. Like I, I take a lot longer than a real logo uh, designer, but I will eventually get it right or get, get something pretty interesting. And that's when I thought, oh, it'd be fun if I like kind of boiled them down to these three icons. The Phantom was easy. It's the skull. Yeah. Uh, Mandrake was a little more confusing. Then I finally went with the hypno eye. Still not sure that's the best, but you know who it, I mean, you know what it means. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and flash of course is always a lightning bolt because flash. Yeah. yeah. So. No, it's, it's great. I, I really enjoy the uh, King's watch, um, the logo and everything about this series. Um, it's nice. To oh, Jordan Boyd did amazing colors on it too. I mean, it's just like, it's such an art tour de force between Mark and Jordan. It, I love looking at it. Yeah, it really is, and it's nice that you get to keep your um, your pen in, um, Jeff, with the artwork there. I gather you must be much more of a, a writer these days. Oh yeah, yeah. I I only once in a while draw something. Like I'm working on the. I did a Kickstarter recently for Blighter, uh, my little talking tiger book, and. Um, 
I've been sending Drew Moss some layouts and he's being really nice and not acting annoyed about it. But, you know, he probably is ready for me to stop. But I just I, I want to try to help, you know, and, and sometimes you can just simply draw something out faster than you can describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would occasionally send Mark some little drawings to go along with it. And once again, Mark's extremely polite. He would never tell me I'm overstepping. Uh, but, but for the most part, it wasn't like I did any layouts or anything for it. I mean, uh, the, the man's a machine. Mm. He, he can do it on, do everything really. Mm. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's just at Mark Laming and, uh, he's, he's just the nicest man you'll ever meet. Mm. Yeah, no, really, really enjoyed his work. Um, did a great job. I see that um, Jermaine's stopped it on Jen here. Was it always your idea to to have <laughs> Jen become Phantom? Um, no, actually, it wasn't my idea, and it came after mine. So, is <laughs> it um, coincidence that the girls are both redheads named Jane, Jen? Oh, well, this is a different Jen, is it? No, no, this is the same Jen. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, now. Okay. You got a lot more longer hair by the Actually, time. They, yeah, they caught me off guard with that one. I didn't know they were going to do that. Jeff, you said that you were surprised, and that was one of the things I was going to ask. Is by the time you came back to watch to write, to write the Flash Gordon King's watch um, part after this sequel, after this, um, you had Jen as a fandom to deal with as well as Lothar. Yeah, so she was in place, and I was like. Yeah, you know, and I, then I had to catch up. I was like, "Wait, when did she become the Phantom?" Both parts of the Phantom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I was like, "Well, whatever." It's like, like now we've got two Phantoms. And, I would, uh, I would say that your depiction depiction of Jen was probably the strongest than the other depictions of Jen as the Phantom because. And we've discussed this on the podcast, and this is one of the one of the things we wanted to talk to you about was we found that Jen overall was a fairly weak phantom, and she didn't just didn't she just didn't feel like a phantom. Um, no, and, but then in, in the Flash Gordon Part Five, I think she does a couple of things. Yeah, that are more phantom. Oh, so she she has actually got yeah. some skills where she just wasn't portrayed that way. Mm. Most of the rest of the so well, again, that goes with my thing of everybody just starts the costume makes you start stepping it up. Yeah, like you start something about it, almost like a spirit is inhibiting you. I mean, inhabiting you and and uh, making you do more. But again, like I said, in my mind they were always holding place phantoms, but the interesting thing was showing how, well, you know, if the phantom had this big a legend coming into the 20th century, those other phantoms must've been pretty good. Yeah. You know, like the phantom, the phantom of the twenties must've been pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the idea, and people have done things where they go back and, you know, do little uh, jump backs through time to see how another phantom, but they often will waste on. And here's how that phantom got killed. And it's like, no, just show a straight up adventure and do a whole thing, you know, with like a 18th century phantom. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody's crazy about doing period stuff as, as I might be though. So, you know, and people don't listen to me, guys. <laughs> but, you need to go check out some of the Egmont stuff. They, they hit that button real hard and, and have done yeah. some 
some chron- some stories from the Chronicle, and you don't see how the Phantom dies and all. You you see their adventures, their swashbuckling, and you know see them in, in different periods of time. And um, sometimes they do it real well, and other times people think oh, they could have done that better. Then it's just like with everything, I suppose. But yeah, if you want to check out Phantom throughout time, there's yeah, there's a whole Big range one. of work there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this was. It's fun to think, like, I was sort of trying to make a little point somewhere in there, I think, about the fact that, you know, the Phantom and Mandrake are both immortal in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Phantom's always a different person. Uh, and, you know, one day, like, the, the twins are going to have to decide which one of us, you know, they have to draw straws or whatever, <laughs> who, who gets to be the Phantom. And it's like, and obviously you want the girl to be the phantom because it's like you've seen a zillion guy phantoms. You want it to switch up. But, um, and Mandrake is literally seems to be immortal because he looks the same as he did when Flash saw him as a little kid. Mm. So like whatever yeah. he's doing, he's he's doing something that's keeping him from aging. This is the, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Uh, this is in King's Watch number five. Uh, this is on page 2022 where, uh, Lothar's going, I'm going to find that man. So he's talking about the next phantom. And then on page, let me try and go back. Sorry about that. That was would have been really confusing for everyone. Um, so this is King's Watch number five. Um, there we go. And then this scene here. So this is the where the, the phantom, the current phantom talks about um, how his life was saved, and then he finds out about how he's got a son abroad, but he was never able to find him. So, so is it so safe? That's to, obviously it. Yeah. So it's safe to say that when you were writing this, you you intended the next Phantom to be a male. Well, I, I still wanted to leave it up because we he doesn't say how old the kid is. He may not be Phantom age yet. You know. Yeah, yeah, it may be a little bit young. Um, is t- which is why it worked to have Lothar step in for a little bit. I mm. thought. Mm. Um, I don't know. It just it appealed to me the idea of to have this character suddenly be a little more fluid than you had seen him, and and more fluid than obviously Flash or Mandrake could be. To because the problem you run into, especially when you see a uh, like. A, defenders of the earth type thing is they're all the same kind of hero. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we're all the very best. You know, it's, it's like in their, in their personalities aren't different enough and everything. And that's why I wanted to get them at different points in yeah. their life. Flash is still a kind of young, uh, hot shot who, uh, you know, he's, he's just in it for fun. Uh, it's, we get more of that in the the series with me and Shaner after this uh, at first, and and he sort of s- steps in, and you see that he's sort of influenced a lot by the Phantom, a little bit by Mandrake, um, and somewhat by Lothar. You know, so he, you know, this is sort of inspiring him. Like mm. my whole take on when I first pitched the the Flash Gordon thing was. Uh, you know, flashes from old money, and that was consistent with the way the Alex Raymond strip always was. So, like, literally, he went to Yale. He did play polo. It's still like you can still do that. So he's running, riding horses, and <laughs> playing an old game. No one knows how it works. And uh, 
and but he was also had this whole element of being into all the kind of uh thrill seeking adventure stuff and you know doing the big dives bungee and all that sort of thing and my take was that flash is extremely good at everything that doesn't matter mm. so it was like you know his his dad's frustrated with him because he wants him to come in and take over his industries and flash has no head for business at all yeah. uh it's just not something he's any good at uh yeah. but suddenly if when he's dropped on mongo where your strengths need to be sword fighting riding beasts uh battling all kinds of crazy things flash is amazing at that mm. so that was the and so at the point you know he's kind of the noob here uh, yeah. oh, there's there's a good bit yeah i really yeah, liked uh, that was actually one of the comments that we had was about having the the, the characters at different elements like mandrake was his brooding you know dark solemn type of person who's lost his wife and you know a bit of a recluse and then you got the you know and then we've discussed the phantom so i i really did like how you had the heroes at different times in their um uh in their in their i don't know what you call it <laughs> yeah so i really liked how you had that i i like that the phantom is not surprised by these creatures mm. he just runs <laughs> in it's something else to shoot you know Another just starts blazing office. away at it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not surprised. I know everything. This isn't natural. But anyway, I shot it and here it is. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the joke about the mobile phone as well. I thought that was kind of, that was an ongoing joke throughout the series. Yeah, um, yeah we kind of used that a bit much. Yeah, but, but it kind of also gets good. Yeah, and it get and it gets you out of the whole thing of having to like show whatever technology everybody's using at the time. So the Hopefully the story lasts a little while. Yeah, also, it's who the hell wants to see Mandrake pop up on an iPhone? Yeah, it's just <laughs> showing it's just up in Mandrake, the plane is, is just a hundred times cooler. It is. Well, I must say you're um, you know, the hearing that you didn't want to uh, be bogged down by technology, maybe that explains the electromagnetic pulses that wiped out all technology on Earth. Uh, so well that yeah, that was the other thing I was thinking, like, okay. What makes what makes all our armies and military useless, so that these heroes matter more? You know, yeah. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they just be sitting back like, oh wow, you know the those NATO jets really uh, did a number on the uh, the spaceships there. Mm. Like maybe shoot some missiles up. Uh, and look at wow, the I forgot how much near nudity we got in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask about Nadia, but I thought I'd better go to this little bit instead of the one where she got straight <laughs> out of the bath, just so that way we could... Uh... Your instincts are strong, Jerry. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but no, I, I at some point I got to the idea of like, oh yeah, obviously, and I, and I referenced this a little bit in just the regular Flash Gordon series, Ming's uh, general approach to uh, colonizing a planet is he lets them get to a certain point of technology where we're all so dependent on it mm. that all he has to do is hit with a big EMP to the planet and we're useless. And yeah. then he can send in beast men and just beat us to death. Um, I thought that and was that's, a of course, 
thought that was a really clever um, plot yeah. device. To, to, you know, it's a really intelligent thing for someone who wants to conquer another world to do. As part of the, those things I never get to find room for, I wanted Prince Baron at some point to mention, yeah, we were having fun with the internet and then this went, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like every planet gets to the same stage where they're all super dependent <laughs> on all of this uh, web stuff, mm. and then Ming w wipes them out. And that, and that's why when I did the uh, that series with Jesse Ham, uh, we had everybody. You know, they're listening on old tube radios and stuff. Yes. They're having to like, and you see that during this series where Flash Gordon is driving a cool old uh, uh, muscle car, just a. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember which. I think I had him in a, a Camaro or yeah. something. Um, so like that a was... 60s car that wouldn't have a computer in it. Yeah. Because like, that's the only thing that still works. Are yeah, and they're coming to, you know, they've all gone back and um, people are fixing up these old cars and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's a bit Mad Maxi. <laughs> yeah. And that's the... Uh, and I'm, I, I still think about that. It's like, well, what if this happens again? Like... Everybody who's hyper dependent on tech is going to be screwed. And, uh, you know, I've got one old car that I know will work. So mm. at least I'll be able to drive that for a bit if I can find gas. <laughs> <laughs> we always go old, old, old school. And like one of the panels that just came out there, the, back on horseback again. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that gets you back to where the Phantom excels. Like mm, he's yeah. going everywhere on horseback all the time. Hmm. Look at this cool! Uh, look at the the cool Zarkov ship that uh, Mark designed. I think I sent him some sketch for it, but he made it way better. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we ask about Nadia, uh, which was for those who've come in like that's um, Mandrake's wife, and in this comic series, she's actually uh, the bad the bad person. And at the end of episode five, she actually becomes Cobra. Um, right. So, can I just ask, what was your um, uh, your reasoning behind um, having her as the bad person? Well, I thought, you know, that if assuming whoever was going to go ahead uh, and do more Mandrake stuff, I just mm. figured like it'll be a good story. Uh, how 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 harsh can you be to set up the villain as his ex wife? You know, <laughs> is like. I couldn't resist that. Um, and it, plus she just looked cool in the costume. I, I do a lot of things based on if someone looks cool in a costume. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's what I, I like. And I thought, Hey, Lothar looks cool as the phantom, you know, there's whatever. It's like that. That's it's, it's no, no, no more complicated than that. By the end of it. Probably assumed that, um, she was already estranged from Mandrake before you picked up the series. Is that not the case? You you split them. Yeah, I think sure. we were working with that, and uh, you know, I was trying to establish that Mandrake is probably the most flexible moral person of these heroes. <laughs> you got to assume like he's done some ugly stuff mm. in his past that he doesn't really talk about, and because he just sort of has to, because that's kind of the way we accept occult characters that like, Oh yeah, they're not, uh, shining knights. They're not Prince. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I also, I also like this little 
thing that you did at the start. Uh, I think it started at episode three where you kind of did the little introductions of the people. And then you yeah. had uh, Zarkov, Drunken Scientist, and um, uh, that's the Cobra. All, that's all editor Nate Cosby. He he loves doing those uh, quick mm. one-page recaps that just get you all you need to know. And if he can do something like Determined Crime Fighter, Intrepid Reporter, Drunken Scientist, I didn't you think I made Zarkov drink that yeah. much, but I guess I did. <laughs> oh, look, I don't. In rereading it, I don't think there was any doubt that he's an alcoholic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you read our uh, Flash Gordon series, it becomes a story point at one at one part where Zarkov is drinking with uh, some of the uh, the other characters, and he essentially drinks them all under the table because he's Zarkov and he's good at it. You know. <laughs> so, I think that's, that's how, how he got, got the, the, the ring yeah, in the, the first place. The, the key, ring in yeah. the first place, yeah, it was off, off the Russians. Yeah, I was particularly proud of this scene where Mandrake goes back through his memory mm. to give him the flash powder. I yeah, like, I really, oh, yeah, I really I enjoyed that. that. That was great. It, that's and, and the idea that little Flash <laughs> went to see him because he liked magicians. It was too good to pass up. It, it made the universe kind of, you know, kind of come together yeah. well, too, I felt. Mm. And we it's saved him putting the top hat on for pretty late, you know. It's like when he finally does this one showdown, he breaks it out, and it's like one of those opera hats that you you poke it and it pops out, and then he puts it on. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting that you identified that particular scene, Jeff, because I don't, um, it was the one that they used in the... Um, uh, script to page um, presentation in, I think this is King's Watch 3. Um, so it shows a page of your script, then the pencil or layouts and pencils and then the colours and then adding the, you know, so it um, must have stood out in that screen. Page. Oh, that somewhere around here, I got the Phantom in Australia, right? Uh, there's no way I wasn't going to do that. Episode 4. <laughs> Thank you. That was episode four, but it was in Sydney, and neither of us are from Sydney, though. That's the only problem about it. Yeah, so I, I only had room for one city, man. I had to go, I had to go with the one everybody could recognize. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't help it. This was a um, scene that I really liked as well, um, where you've got the Phantom and his ancestors fighting the bad guys by an illusion with Mandrake. It was, um, uh, it was a real nice touch, I thought. Yeah, and see, there's a there's a lady phantom back there. Yes, and, uh, we thought it was Julie. Yeah, and um, yeah, I wish actually I wish we could have done a longer version of that because that that was it was one of those cool moments like that you want to have like mm. you're you're reminding me I t I forgot we had a lot of cool moments in this and it's like <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great series. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Fans are still talking about this. Uh, we did a post up on our social media about this series and the response from fans saying, oh, I love that series and, and stuff like that. And that's what one of the reasons why we thought we have to get Jeff on mm. to this podcast and talk to him about it because a lot of fans really enjoyed it. I remember... Oh, um, that's great. I think I told you this when we were talking, but I remember going into the comic book shop and have, buying one of these issues. And they were like, oh, the new Defenders of the Earth. And then there was, and then about, you know, and this is in Australia, 
and then about there was about five of us, five comic fans, not just Phantom fans. Then all started talking about the Defenders of the Earth, and then they asked their comic, uh, then they asked the comic book owner to to order them the series so they can read it, and you know, then they were talking about how they like Flash or you know from the series and and stuff like that. So there was a there was a lot of fans and a lot of fan fans, but also uh, other fans that really enjoyed this series because it brought back the Defenders of the Earth. Mm. Well, it's, it, yeah, I could tell when I went to comic sh- conventions and people would bring it up. And uh, I was really happy then because that, that's when you get to, you can't always go by what people say online. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a r- distilled bunch. But then they get people bringing it up and they talk about the scenes they like. And, and that's what I live for. You know, that's what makes it all worth going to the shows which hopefully we'll all be able to do again before long. Yeah. Um, and they get to tell you, cause you never know what's going to stick with somebody, you know, mm. Mm. Like, when you think about things you liked uh, when you were a young reader and stuff that some little scene that they probably didn't think was that important, but you, it, for whatever reason, that one stuck with you. That's I'm always fascinated to hear that from people. Mm. I think one of the things and it, was, it was fun. The fact that you don't really see Ming that much. You just get the effects of Ming uh, throughout this. Like, and then this, this needed, there he is. And, uh, <laughs> and then I got to do the thing with flash that I, I always thought was, you know, the probably the weakest point of his original of his origin the whole, the whole thing where Zarkov, you know, just gun points everybody and lights get getting the rocket. We're going to Mongo. And it's like, no, a good hero makes the decisions and directs his own path. You know, mm. it's like it, it can't be somebody things just keep happening to and they happen to be good. So the end of this, I got to start off our Flash series with Flash realizing I got to go through that portal. We can't stop here. And, you know, and so he takes off and, and seals it that way. Um, which is nice because you can read the Flash Gordon thing and you, if you're just willing to read Flash Gordon, you can look at it and go, okay, they start right in the action. Uh, I just assume they got there. But then a lot of people would then go back and read King's Watch because they wanted to find out why, why did they suddenly appear on there? Like, well, you've got to read this whole other miniseries to find mm-hmm. out. Um, and so, and I think King features is probably pretty happy with that because then it made it, it made it all count. You know, is you, you, you don't want it to just be, people are just showing up cause it's cool that they're all together. You know, you, you, they, you want them to all really influence each other and direct each other. And I feel like we did it mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Um, I really enjoyed, um, yeah, I really enjoyed, yeah. That was good. Um, yeah, I mean, what's more classic than Ming holding the planet? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a Lame good opening. I was just reading that Lame earlier. knows what he's doing. He's in complete control. There's no way anyone <laughs> can defeat this fella. I also liked in the King's Cross one where he um, used the whole democracy way of him being voted in as well. That was quite clever. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank goodness that no no one's going to take over a democracy like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's certainly nothing any of us have to worry about. No, no. no. Not, <laughs> not our two particular countries. Um, yeah, if one of the things I was going to say, Joe mentioned how popular this the King's Watch was among Phantom fans. And I think one of the things that um, you juggled really well in this was the idea of the Phantom still being an ordinary man. And you, you talked a bit yeah. about plot devices to bring the rest of the world down to their level sort of thing. But also um, in Defenders of the Earth. Flash to shut up. <laughs> yeah, that was um, really good. Yeah, in Defenders of the, <laughs> Defenders of the Earth, um, even then the Phantom had a special superpower, could call on a magical strength of 10 tigers, and, and you didn't have that. You just had, as you said earlier, an ordinary guy dealing with pain and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's also a real challenge, I think, for Phantom fans who, if you're, if you're just into the Phantom, then you're not really into the the supernatural or the science fiction, and you've brought both of those elements into this story because of the other two characters, of course. Um, but for this, and, and then um, in in some ways, for if you're a real Phantom fan, uh, like dedicated Lee Fork, all the rest of it, um, the idea that the person wearing the the mask is not actually a Walker. Um, so for you to do all of those things and still have, and, and I would rate this as. Uh, I think episode five in particular might be one of my my favourite comic books um, of the Phantom. Um, just to, to bring all of those elements in together um, and still not piss people off for want of a better term. Um, <laughs> well, is this isn't is this not the best Skull Cave you've ever seen though? Look at this thing. Yeah, he's he's done a great job. There's there's a ship in there. <laughs> like, he gets it all, only only Mark can do this. Mm. You know, like. What's, you're like, what's this elephant in the background? What's the, you know, what's this? And and then you see the the skull opening way back in the back, so you know where you are. It's like, yeah. oh, the guy's so good. No, it's um, I and just like where he goes, oh, some pirates had at one point. I thought it would be safer here. That's, yeah, you know, I, I really is even though this phantom, and I think that's one of the reasons why this phantom not being the phantom didn't jar or didn't upset me was because he was a likable person. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and seeing you did it at episode five, you've kind of grown accustomed and you've grown to like this phantom by episode five. But if we learn about that at say episode one or something, we might've not liked him as much because we're going, Oh, he's an imposter imposter. But we've already liked him, and then we find out he's not of the Walker line, and it's like, oh no, he's phantom like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was very. You got, you got to, you've got to, you got to screw with the fans a little bit, uh, Jermaine. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I mean, you got to trick them sometimes into liking something that they weren't going to like. I love doing that. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. Well, I think uh, you've done that. I think done you've that. done that very well. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> any anyone can come in and tick boxes, you know. Mm. Anyone can say, "Well, here, here's technically this character, and he does very well, and he doesn't embarrass himself." Blah blah blah. And what you come away with is something that's forgettable and doesn't have anything that you can relate to. <laughs> uh, then. Once you accept the Phantom is like, okay, like he's somebody just really trying desperately to, to, to kind of honor the guy and, and, and find who comes after him and everything. Then it's, then it's a neat story. And then it suggests a bigger universe for him. Yeah. Um, also like the fact that he just grabs every magical thing and drags it into his cave. 
This yeah. needs to be in my cave. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, this is cool. I reckon I'll be able to use yeah. this at some stage. I'll just. <laughs> and it's also playing with the idea that Batman does the same thing. <laughs> you know, since Batman just totally ripped the idea off from the Phantom, might, yeah. might as well. There was almost it's, a bit of a. Really, um... uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the, it's the whole. the. Yeah, I tried to like kind of keep that connection with Phantom and Mandrake because they are essentially brothers uh, with the dad of Lee Falk, you know, mm-hmm. who I recently was watching oddly enough on a, this other uh, little podcast I sometimes do with uh, my friends, Gabe Hardman and John Suntress. And uh, we were doing a uh, little special since Betty White had just died. And we were watching old game shows from the 60s of Password. And then they did one with cartoonists and Lee Falk comes on. And I was yeah. like, hey, that was really interesting. It's easy to find on YouTube. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he just comes on and they're all playing for their charities. Uh, actually, I think they're all playing for the same charity. So it didn't really matter. who <laughs> won. What was the name of the show? Password. Password. Yeah, look up password Betty White and you'll find it. <laughs> uh, we'll have the to, we'll have to look at that one. Like, yeah. And, and what an actual thing to have Phantom and, and of course, Flash fighting Beastmen. But I, I, I just think he's, um, and then like the misdirection with Lee Fork and all that. It's, you've, yeah, you, you've, you've done a really good job in, in making it work. And, and I like this Phantom, the you know, action, just get in there, get it done. You know, I forgot about this where they're kind of making fun of Flash. I really see. I see. I, I didn't like make Flash too good at this point. Like, you know, when Mandrake says he doesn't overthink things, and Phantom's just kind of laughing at him. You know, where was it? Yeah, yeah. Because Flash is just a headstrong kid, really. Mm. And it's it's in his next series where he starts growing up and mm. starts becoming Flash Gordon, really. Mm. This is his, um, like his, his year one. Exactly. You know, he's, he's, just, he's, like getting, he's just getting by on sheer uh, guts and energy. Whereas Phantom's having to, Phantom's in that position of the strong old guy who has to really think about his moves because, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get one shot at this all the time. Hmm. And Mandrake, you never really know what he's thinking because he's, He's enigmatic. There was, where was it? There was somewhere where they actually talk about, oh, was it up here? Where they actually talk about being the defenders of the earth or something like that. Like they, you actually use that. Yeah, there's no, way I, I, there's no way I didn't pass, I passed that up and didn't work that phrase in. Mm, I, I must have gotten it. have said it. Maybe I just um, made a there's a, part, there's a part where, um, where Lothar and Phantom have just gone to the um, to the portal, the King's Watch pathway, and and um, I, th- I think they've been knocked down, and, and Cobra's saying, so "Here we are, the Phantom," and and I know I think he says something about Lothar and so-called defenders of the Earth. And I thought, ah, oh, here yeah. we go. Yeah, it was just it was just another one of those nice little touches. Hmm. I'll just um, <laughs> open up uh, number five now. And even even just amongst that, what we just saw Germ scroll through there at the end of episode four. Um, where the Phantom and Flash Gordon and Mandrake are suddenly appearing in boardrooms and attending meetings, explaining tactics to people. You know, that, 
they're in a seminar room one moment and then they're back on the battlefield the next. Yeah. They're, those guys, they weren't getting a lot of sleep during this little war. <laughs> That's always the trick, though. You, you, you know, you see these things like the CW will do it, you know, where like all the heroes have to team up to fight something. And, you know, like, how is this really a worldwide battle when it's only like a handful of costume people uh, kind of leading the charge here? There, mm. there, there's Flash and the Chevy. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <coughs> Uh, yeah. the uh this was some muscle car i forgot but um Maybe yeah here. i like the idea that everybody had to kind of look to him like we don't know even we've never even heard of these three people but we're now listening to them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're making all the progress against this weird attack that's that's hitting the whole planet it was good. I think you won over a lot of fans, especially Australian fans, when you uh, got Australia in there as well. So, um, Well, you know, somewhere, I mean, you are the land of the most dangerous creatures. And, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's something like that out in the water. <laughs> so, uh, I think I saw that up in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, yeah, what's the most terrifying thing that uh, any of you have come across in nature? Uh, probably a drop there. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had a big big crocodile swim past a fishing boat I was in. Ooh, oh, that would scare you. Yeah. That'll make you think. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't dangling my feet in the in the, the <laughs> that day. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a snake at work. That one's happened. Oh, good. Yeah, that, that made people jump. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, I went swimming with some sharks for my birthday. I thought my so that was that was, that was interesting. you actually sought it <laughs> yeah I, I, it was at a marina or something i swear they were pumping the jaws music through the water because that's all i heard <laughs> was the dum 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 water music oh i hope they were <laughs> i hope you also had one of those big knives in your mouth that you're biting as you swam uh, so, that's a, um, that's a was, good shot of the cave too yeah, yeah. Um, so was it, so you came, so after this series, you said that you did the flash, you did the flash series and then you came back and did the King's cross, which is where we saw the phantom, I guess. And we kind of wrapped up the whole series. Yeah. And that, that was really me working. I was kind of co-doing that with Jesse ham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see there's flash, uh, phantom shooting up cause he's in constant pain. Um, <laughs> it's like, he's just constantly jabbing himself with pain uh, killers. But I think that also and, showed uh, the human side of him as well. Yeah, mm. like he looks like hell. And I yeah. liked this too. Oh, this I, was great. I love I loved this little section through the book too. Mm. Was this, I've forgotten this. Uh, this artwork here, was that your guidance to, to say make them three different, you know, age-appropriate or, or time-appropriate costumes or was that Mark who, who came up with that? I want to – it's probably Mark. Um you know, I, I, I probably said, and I can't check because this is like two laptops ago that uh, <laughs> where I've, I've lost a lot of material, but Mark might still have it because he's good at saving things like that. And he could probably actually check to what, see what I wrote. But, you know, it's like, I probably just said, oh, yeah, let's differentiate them and, mm. and, and show different time periods. I especially like those pants on the middle guy. <laughs> I like that mask. Well, I like the hood mask too. This is tough. 
they all look pretty cool. I'm not sure <laughs> that if that first one's kind of basic, but yeah, you know, the other two are pretty pretty neat. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're still following the the daily newspapers or the or the Sundays in particular. Um, but the current artist for the Sundays, Jeff Weigel, has started doing this sort of thing with um, age, um, you know, the different, past different, phantoms. different past fandoms. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'll go. I'll go start catching up on it because uh, that's that's kind of thing I enjoy. <laughs> they, they released a, a poster with, with 21 different costumes and was it sold out within minutes. Yeah. By the way, I, I feel like you know, flipping back through this, I totally forgot that we. And by we, I really mean Mark, uh, had Mandrake doing these little spinning uh, glyph circles around his hands the way they use in the Doctor Strange movies. Hmm. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, Seen that before. This is, uh, this is the way. Did somebody do this before we did it? You know, like I, now I'm thinking Laming should probably get some money. <laughs> um, because you know, oh, these guys are great. <laughs> Cobra. Yeah, they look like Cobra, some actual snake man. Yeah, I love that image. Yeah, it's a great image. And this, oh, this, yeah, the um, just the idea too that um, Mandrake's got the perfect illusion, and it is no illusion, and it just completely throws Cobra and his armies. And this, <laughs> yeah, is he's done it so many times. That they're sure, like this, like there's no point even trying to attack these guys. This is an illusion. Then, pal. And then here he's got his hat. Yeah, yeah. Does that? Does the pop out hat and punches him? <laughs> and of course, Phantom, Phantom with the way he solves everything, double guns. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Just an endless supply of ammo that you don't see where he keeps it. Oh, it's tucked away in his belt there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in his belt, he must have just nothing but clips. <laughs> it was, or maybe so, Mandrake figured it out for him so that it, like his clip just keeps refilling in the gun. It's been charmed. <laughs> mm. This was that's uh, the kind of, yeah. well, that, then that's where Flash takes off and goes. We're going through. Yeah, and then the Phantom um, sacrifices himself. It was good having like that because in so many hero. In so many comics and movies, they kind of just, you know, they live happily ever after. Having the Phantom passing away, having Flash having to, you know, go through, they are able to save the day in the long run, but they, there were sacrifices that had to be made. And, and, yeah. and we see that even in today's movies, like with uh, the Marvel one with uh, Iron Man and stuff like that. It, that's, you know, having Iron Man dying, that's what made that movie. And then, sure, and you know, I guess you did it before. The uh, well, yeah, it was the it's the it is what you always remember, like when mm. a heroes that can always figure out everything to put it all back the way it was, then you you just forget that. But heroes who give up something, yeah. uh, you know, that sticks with you, yeah. Jeff, well, you, Jeff, you said earlier that. Um, as you were writing, you you came to realize that the Phantom would have to die. Um, how, can you talk us through that process as you're writing a story and you suddenly go, oh, that this character is going to die and now I've got to do that and, and you're able to do Lothar. But um, how far through the story are you when that starts to happen? Are you still just mapping the whole thing out or 
uh, when did you realize that the that that would happen? It was, I think it grew out of the character. I think I, I realized like, oh, he's doing the thing like an animal does, where it gives like it goes full blast before the end. Like he, you know, he's putting everything into it, and even if he he didn't, you know, just get get blasted or whatever, he was going to keel over because he's just giving everything to this this battle between the planets um you know it's like he's he's come to long line of just uh any number of fights and who knows what he what he's been up against at this point and i was thinking no it just feels right and that and a lot of what i do is based on if something feels it makes intuitive sense uh you know, it's like I I will never do something just to like say game the system, and they go, oh, this is what'll suck fans in and blah 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 or whatever. I, I won't. I can't bring it myself to do that, or or just simply rile them up for the sake of just getting attention. Mm-hmm. And probably my career suffered because I won't do it, but <laughs> I just can't. You know, it's a. Uh, so, but intuitively, it felt like this guy knew he all from the beginning, like once he started seeing the kind of stuff that was happening, he knew this was probably going to be where he gets off mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the, the trolley. And uh, so, you know, he was just going to he he's a he's a real man's man type figure. And he's clearly just going to he's going to show everybody else how you live and how you die. Mm. And uh, it just it just worked. I th- I felt you know I was mm. like I I genuinely missed him when he was gone. Yeah, and I like how that you don't even know his name and you get and you're like invested in him. Yeah, and he does pass the mantle. Really, you don't know it at the time, but that is him passing it on to Lothar. Um, yeah, you look back at it and go, oh, he he would have known then. He's showing Lothar yeah. the secrets. Um, yeah. and he's making his preparations. Yeah. Yeah, the whole time Lothar's really being trained and doesn't yeah. even realize it. You know, he's like, "This is the way I do stuff. I wear this little ring and I punch guys in the face, and they have to look at my little." It's like you would think though that would end up being like a kind of cool thing people wanted. Like, eh, like you got punched by the Phantom. I saw the Phantom and lived. <laughs> yeah, I'm still alive and I've got it in a cool place. Whereas, like, if he punched you right on the nose, that would probably look sort of stupid and you'd be embarrassed about it always. <laughs> well, actually, isn't it in the next one where Jen punches um, punches the uh, smuggler uh, right in the middle of the forehead? And gets <laughs> that's where she. That's where he. Where's his skull mark? <laughs> yeah, you always think the fa- oh, there's a Roger Langridge cover. Uh, you always think the the Phantom. He knows where he's hitting. He knows where people are going to have to see that skull. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a lot of guys grow a beard after the Phantom beats him up because mm. he punched him somewhere in the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the start of the King's Cross uh, series that I've got I've got up on the YouTube. Now, if you're watching mm-hmm. this via YouTube, um, so did uh, this this series to me seemed a little bit more fun than the first one, which was probably a little bit more serious and and life. I was, and I was letting. And, I was giving Jesse a little more rain with this. I was generally plotting it okay. and uh, and letting him just be con- in control of like the delivery of how it all came about. And he, 
so it's, you it's weird. Yeah, he was he was more whimsical than I probably would have done it. Hmm. But at the same time, I felt like you know we we were pretty heavy with King's Watch, so it's like yeah. it made sense that it wouldn't be nearly as heavy as that. Hmm. Uh, and there's some just weird bits and and there there's some <laughs> interesting kind of weird stuff you see that's like i don't know that this would make sense outside of comics and that's perfectly <laughs> fine yeah there's where they all gather around the radio let's all listen yeah which yeah um you, you're right we, was... have, we have to actually go watch newsreels at the theater like they used to <laughs> you're right that there was a lot more weirdness in this series uh than the other one um because also it, it had to incorporate uh, Prince Valiant, yeah, and you know, and some other stuff. Uh, and then there was Jungle Jim, yeah, Jungle Jim. God, how did I forget him? And the, oh yeah, we were using Jungle Jim had been uh, retooled by Paul Tobin uh, into this kind of sort of swamp thing, kind of. Guy yeah. where he has more of a connection with the jungle, which is fine because you know otherwise he's just you know a, a safari dude uh, going around. Yeah, I, I must admit when I started reading Jungle Jim, I thought he was going to be the missing uh, the Phantom Air. Um, oh, that could have worked, yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think Stephen, I think I think yeah. you and I have both agreed that that he would have been a good Phantom. Yeah, I, I thought that he was um, going to be the, the next Phantom, and um, yeah, I thought it, yeah, this, I like the character. I really liked the character when that when that Jungle Gym series came out, that little four or five part or whatever it was. I, I enjoyed that. And um, oh yeah, well, all yeah. right's good stuff. Uh, you got to get him on the show and let try to make him remember what he was thinking. <laughs> um, well, see, we all get put in this position where I, we think things are going to go a certain way from the point we did it. And then you check back in later and go, oh, they didn't do what I thought they were going to do at all. You know, I thought, you know. <laughs> it's like that exercise like, we do in, in, you know, in kids in classrooms. You know, you start up a story, then you pass it on to the next, and they have to write the, the exactly. next bit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that this, probably around this time, I was working on Aquaman or something. And then I come back in with this, and I'm like, uh, hey, two phantoms. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, you know, whatever. It's like uh, she looks cool with the ponytail sticking out of the back. You know, this would be fun. Hmm. Um, so is that Nate Cosby then who's sort of driving that whole overarching arc and, and directing traffic in that way? Or how much? How well, much he's not telling people what to write. He's just asking them how they think it could go and then giving his take on, you know. And 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 I'm trying – King Features was actually pretty accommodating. They They weren't making us give them a lot of notes. Or anything, you know, because they always have what they probably consider the real version, the or the prime version, which is the newspaper stuff. Hmm. Um, they can kind of they can kind of let the comics experiment with things more, and then if they like it, they bring it back in. Um, like I also wrote a uh, Flash Gordon meets the Archie Gang, uh, the Riverdale kids, hmm. thing that that started being drawn by Dan Parent, but uh, I think it got put on hold and I think they've still got it. And like that flight, even though it's a different company and everything, he's wearing the same costume that we have him wear in our series. 
And and it's funny because apparently they named that costume at the Parker Flash. Yeah, then I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. My name got in the uh, <laughs> like like when he wears a certain costume, my name gets used. It's like that made me feel happy. And I can throw it at uh, Evan Shaner and say, hey, they used my name, Evan. Um, <laughs> it is a good last name. <laughs> yeah, th there we go. Back to the booze. He just yeah. can't give it up. Yeah, Jesse's got some cool drawing in here. It's uh, you know, it was rough last year when he died. Hmm. I don't know. Now I'm wondering where all this art ended up, too. By the way, we've got a lot of it at the studio, and we're scanning it, and we're probably going to end up sending it to uh, the Museum of Cartoon Art in San Francisco. Oh, that's good. But I'm, but I didn't see if we had all these pages. He may have sold a lot of them. I don't know. So, uh, did Mark? What about Mark? Did he draw his um, pages, um, pen and paper as well? Do you know, or was that all digital stuff? I think he was doing a mix. I think. Um, I thought I heard a podcast that he did it um, uh, on the computer. He may have. He may have done mostly. I thought he did some on real paper. I always advise everybody, like, yeah, I know you can move faster doing it digitally, but mm. on some of these splashes, you know, don't hurt yourself. Uh, do it on paper so you can sell it because collectors yeah. want this. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, so we've had Jeff Weigel has said stuff along those lines. He talks about not yeah. wanting to leave money on the table. Exactly. <laughs> like, and I even try to work it into scripts sometime. Like, here's a good splash. You'll probably want to do this in real life. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think all three of us have got original art that we have brought and stuff like that. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It, it used to work out great for me when everybody had to do it on the original page. And then, you know, a lot of times artists would give me a page from the book. And, uh, and now it's like there's less opportunity for that. So I get less original art. Man. Mm hmm. Um, just mindful of uh, time and all that, guys. You got any other questions? I'm just quickly going to go through the, the yeah, run. Bring it on, man. See if there's any questions. Oh, you were talking about um, uh, the King's Cross being a little bit different. Um, the giant tarantulas formed by the um, by the drowned apes. That was that's just that the was... weirdest thing. <laughs> I'm glad you think that. I I, I reread that. And I'm going. What? What? Where does Where does this come from? It, it it is written well though because it sets yeah. up. You you realize a beat before you see it that oh no the drowned. <laughs> you realize yeah. that the drowned apes are about to come back to life. You yeah, don't realize was, they're going to form a giant spider. <laughs> that was with the um the beef jerky that started to walk. Yeah. Where was it? I think it was in this one. Yeah, you get the gopher yeah. ape. So <laughs> I, I must admit, I'm not a huge Flash Gordon. I haven't read much Flash Gordon. Is a gopher ape something in Flash Gordon, or is that just from your imagination? Uh, I'm start. I'm thinking this was a Jesse thing, actually. <laughs> okay. 
Because it, it even seems weird by my standards. <laughs> so, either giving him the credit or giving him the blame. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, it, it, either way because it's cool and it's weird, so it's it's both. Yeah, uh, the little beast thing coming alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I just write like okay, and some weird threats happen, and then that's what he came up with? <laughs> like, look, they're holding the jerky creature on her hand. <laughs> and this is just this just seems like an LSD trip oh, right here. It's, it's so strange. So could, could I, this you, actually could have been me though? I I'll do this to people sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine being because well, I was I might you know what it probably was me because I was probably thinking of like did you did you guys have like I did when I was a kid? It was a barrel full of monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> And it, like it was this plastic barrel and all these little monkeys and you'd try to pull them out, linking them all together. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Okay. It, that seemed like the inspiration for this. <laughs> Again, I wish I hadn't lost so many of my old scripts because then I could look back and try to reverse engineer where all this stuff came from. <laughs> so you, you've made mention a couple of times that um, uh, Jesse did the did the writing and you did the plotting. Could you just explain that to us as well? So what was the process behind that? I think I did a rough outline of how the story could go. I was trying to give him room because I wanted, you know, I wanted dynamite to see that besides being a good artist, he was a good writer too. Hmm. Um, so I was, I was, if I'm remembering right, and again, I'm a unreliable narrator, but you know, you got to just go with it. Cause I'm, you know, I'm your guest. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I was, I was probably doing the outline, getting it okayed and then kind of doing a sort of page by page sort of synopsis that like not going into great detail because I didn't want to suffocate and like give Jesse no room to, to do what he does, you know. Also, I knew he was going to like. I vaguely remember doing a sketch of this page, though, <laughs> with him fly, a stick flash on a lot of creatures. Um, and I liked because I the the inset panel being a triangle, inverted triangles, a me sort of thing. Um, it works well with the, then all these, uh, the wings. <laughs> Connor. That looks like, yeah, it looks the way Jesse did it, it looks like a Magnola piece. You know? So Jesse, for those, for those who don't know, Jesse is the artist, correct? Mm -hmm. So he's, so he's, yeah. so he's, mm -hmm. so you've done, I guess, plots of the pages and then he's drawn it and created more of the story around your plots. Yeah, well, he, he would probably then do a more, if I'm remembering right, he he then did a more thorough script that he probably showed the editor. Yeah. And then I like went through it and and it's kind of treating me like the showrunner, I guess, if it were a TV mm. show. Mm. Um, and I probably just went through and, and said, okay, this all works. Uh, maybe change this. This is a, maybe a little out, out of character for something like that. And that was probably as much as I was doing at that point, just making sure there was storied logic and trying to get the, the beats all to make sense and to progress nicely. 
mm. as they kind of go s literally storm the castle. Mm. And then mm. they literally, literally storm it with Prince Valiant and a bunch of knights. Yeah, I, I must admit, um, it, Prince Valiant probably didn't work with King's Watch, but I think it works with this one. And it was nice yeah, to well, say... Yeah, well, that's the thing. That, yeah. that it's all about tone, and the, the kind of slightly wackier tone of this one lets you get away with that. Yeah. In, in King's Watch, it was just... I don't think... You're right. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, um, and because and we got that when it when I think it was the King series where you had the five, so you had Flash, the Phantom, Mandrake, Jungle Jim, and uh, Prince Valiant. It was nice how like they got to introduce from the three to the five, and then we kind of yeah. get to see him again with the with the ending. I mean, I, if I were going to go full, uh, just using whatever roster, I'd obviously bring Popeye into it because. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, no one kicks ass harder than Popeye. I mean, he <laughs> literally can beat up anybody. You're not so getting that away. Called, You're not getting away with it. Would make it too easy for us. Well, Popeye was around. Awesome. Um, any other questions, guys? No, I don't. I don't have any other questions. Like, I was just. Um, I get. I guess. Um, I would ask. Were you happy with the way that the whole series? Like, I don't know if you were showrunner, as you, to use your term, for the whole thing, Jeff. But um, you know, Phantom fans really liked King's Watch, as we've said, and, and then people from a Phantom point of view probably started to drift away from it after that. To be honest, um, hmm. it, it, were you happy with the way that the whole series arc went? Is it? Yeah, oh, can for, you, for cross or for all of it or what? Well, I suppose um, you know you, you can only really reflect on your own um, your own. Yeah, work. I can't. Otherwise, I'm put in the ugly position of I didn't <laughs> like the way so and so did uh, things after I left, and I'm yeah. not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, of course, I always like my stuff better. But uh, that's I'm an <laughs> egomaniac. Um, no, but I was. I mean, I will say I was. And the, for the ones I, of course, paid the most attention to, which was King's Watch and Flash Gordon, I was extremely happy. Uh, I was surprised how much they let me do of what I wanted to do. Hmm. Um, they were actually very open with it. Um, I, I think Dynamite might have suggested a couple of things that I ignored. Um, you know, it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, it's like, because uh, I... I Again, I did want to, I wanted to do right by these kind of three prime characters who essentially influence all of comics. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like you got to see why they matter and why they're so important and, uh, and come away. Because it's really unfair when people come in and go, oh, yeah, there's Mandrake. He's like Doctor Strange. When it's the, no, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everybody's like Mandrake. Everybody's like the Phantom. Everybody's like Flash. They're not the, you know, mm. it's like they're, they're not ripoffs. The others are ripoffs. Yeah. They're, they're essentially gods mm. and the rest are, are just kind of, uh, Imitations. well, not even that I'm thinking in terms of, uh, like, uh, the Greek myths, uh, and the others are like demigods that come mm. out of them. Mm. Um, well, that was beautiful. Wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I guess you. I always try to tell a little story in my head that's just for me, 
that runs alongside the main story I'm telling. And that's probably what I was the kind of thing I was thinking at the time of mm. just how to keep them feeling iconic. The interesting thing is people get worried when they're messing with big icons like this and they tend to have nothing bad happen to them and dehumanize them. They like, they don't get to be human. You know, they get, they get too removed and all that does is make readers not care about them. Hmm. Uh, you've got to still somehow find a way to, to keep them very human and have the stakes feel real. Like, you know, the Phantom can die and, uh, and Flash has to leave and, you know, and Mandrake loses his love uh, and has her become his greatest villain. You know, everybody kind of ends on a down note, really, yeah. uh, despite the fact that it's a huge win for the planet. Mm. Um, so that and that feels like a fair trade. Mm. You know, you feel like, oh, yeah, that wasn't easy for any of these people. <laughs> You know? yeah. Well, like I said before, you're seeing it in movies now. This was 10 years before the movies. Um, like even in the latest one, you got Spider-Man. He had to give up his, um, you know, his love. Hey, don't say anything. I haven't, I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, you haven't yeah, seen it yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, it's been out, it's been out for long enough. Book series, Jim, but hey, anyway, how have you waited this long? Because <laughs> of COVID and we can't get to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's... It's it's been really uh it's been fun talking to you Jeff uh and being able to go back over and read the series and stuff like that. Um if I got I got one question if Jen didn't happen what was your vision for how Lothar was going to find um the missing walker? Did you have did you have that story? I didn't, have a, I didn't have a specific thing, but I felt like he was going to have to travel the world. And, and of course it would be a whole journey quest sort of thing, just getting to that point, you know, um, like he wasn't just going to show up at his graduation and go, guess what? Yeah. Here's the skull ring, you know, the, uh, <laughs> hit people with it. Uh, <laughs> bad people. Um, now there no, that that's as far as I, I had kind of entertained. I don't, you know, you don't want to try to think of things that you might not be doing and then spend a lot of energy on it. And then you're just depressed that you didn't get to do it. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of think, well, Lothar is probably going to have to solve some riddles, uh, you know, uh, just go busting through people and try to find out what's happened. Like, why isn't this kid where he's supposed to be? And uh, how old is he? What is he, like 24 now? You know, he's got to become the Phantom. You know, is, is Lothar going to then train him? What's he going to do? Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking a little bit about it, but I wasn't nailing it down. Because, yeah. again, you got to – to get a story to feel like it really has its own life and energy, you can't plot things uh, to an inch of their life. you gotta, you got to leave the plot – in my mind, I don't know how much you guys write, but uh, you know, you got to leave the plot a little fluid so the characters have room to move around and make their own choices within it and surprise you, hopefully, because you mm. all, it always gets better when that happens. Mm. Uh, whenever the characters do something you didn't see coming, you go, oh, they're literally, it's like a muse. It's, it's, you can see where people got the idea of a muse from. 
Hmm. You know, it's like uh, this thing's coming to me and I'm just essentially transcribing this story. Hmm. Uh, but I love when that happens because then I feel like I'm onto something, you know, I'm not doing, I'm, it feels less artificial. Hmm. I'm not like taking little action figures and pushing them around on a chessboard. Uh, you, you don't want that to happen. It's like, it's, it, it, I think a lot, plenty of people know, especially from big event stories, when the writer is doing that and you're like, Ugh, all these characters are acting out a character to make the plot advance. You know, you've got to advance oh. the plot. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've just been watching the sore nerve there. Yeah. 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 I've just been watching the, uh, the Titans show on, on Netflix. And I don't know. If I you guys, oh, I've just started watching season three and the fella playing Batman or Bruce Wayne does something completely out of character for, for Batman slash Bruce Wayne, that hopefully they can fix this up because that was <laughs> that was not right. And well, then what the, what happened next was good, but that was so out of Batman character. From what I've and I'm not a huge Batman guy, but from what I know of him, that just seemed completely out of character and just threw and and like it's not thrown in a good way. It's just thrown in. Why the hell did you make him do that for? Yeah, well, I've I've felt that pain too, so I I, I hear you. <laughs> And uh, that's the thing I try to avoid. I don't like. I just want people to be in character, and uh, and I want uh, their actions to come from character, not because they all feel like this is the part of the story where we have to do this now. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just oh god, that'll just take the life out of it for me. Mm -hmm. Well, so, I mean, yeah. it's a little puzzle solving, and then a little like letting your subconscious work on it, and getting the characters to come to life in your head so that they'll write the story for you. Mm. So, mm -hmm. but do I split the money with them? No. <laughs> uh, besides all those characters are rich anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, well, we thank you for your, your work on the Phantom on the uh, King's Cross and King's Watch and, and Flash Gordon for Dynamite. Um, uh, we've discussed it quite a fair bit on our podcast uh, throughout the years. Um, I think this is episode 210, so there's been a few episodes before that. Um, before we do go, what's the if people want to uh, follow your stuff, uh, you made mention of the Kickstarter that you've been doing before as well. Uh, what's the best way to, for people to be able to follow you on social media? Is it uh, Twitter or? Yeah. Thank you for asking. It is, uh, yeah, on Twitter, I am just Jeff Parker, just like my name's spelled here. And uh, my website is jeffparkerwrites.com. And uh, if you go there, you can sign up for the newsletter and I will, don't worry, I don't write a lot of them. So you're not going to get inundated with these things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm working on stuff so you don't miss it. Um, and then, if on Twitter you want to see me, you know, post my, my Wordle score, uh, I'll do that. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and rant about, uh, the state of the world, uh, please <laughs> come on in. <laughs> no, well, Jeff, if you ever do decide to work on that period phantom piece you're talking about, like a swashbuckling story just sent in the 1700s or whatever, um, you know, we can put you in touch with the, uh, the editorial team, uh, either in Sweden who love those stories or even in Australia. So if you've got a story idea, um, you could pitch it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I, I hope to, when we're all traveling again, to come to both countries. So 
that would be fun for me. Um, thank you for having me on uh, this. Uh, like, looks like a great show you've got here. It's uh, I really appreciate it. It's um, and thanks for bringing up thoughtful points to talk about. This was fun. No worries. Well, we thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, and we're glad that you enjoyed enjoyed it as well. For uh, those who uh, who haven't listened to us before, you can find us on chroniclechamber.com. Uh, our email is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, all the Android apps, and uh, we're also on YouTube as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe, uh, give us a review, and all that type of stuff as well. That would be greatly appreciated. We're also on all the social medias, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter as well. So... Um, uh, thank you for listening to us. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Uh, Stephen and Dan, we thank you as always. Five and uh, from ago, us, happy fandom. Happy fandom, everyone. Happy fandom. Thank you, Jeff. Thank dad. you. He said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me. So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The man the ghost who walks Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom He finds